All right, we got uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Michael Marks on the phone for uh, our first ever little BWR show as we get ready for the May 5th date. So no better way to start this than, uh, you know, locking down MMX himself and really just breaking down BWR, what it is, where it came from, where it's heading, and, you know, where it's currently at. So, you know, first off, Michael, what what's going on? What's the latest? Well, I think it's it's great that we're starting with me because then we know that each one thereafter will get better and better. So it's good to set the bar low. And uh, it's a rainy night here where I'm at. How's it up there? Um, I think the rain just kind of started to slow down a bit, but uh, it's raining. And it's raining for like more than two days in Southern California, which is weird. It's almost like, like you know, we're in Belgium, where you know, your area. <laughs> but it's almost like perfect timing, right? I like it. I wish I wish every year that uh, BWR could be subjected to to rain and wind. Um but it's unlikely to happen this year with the event happening on Cinco de Mayo. No, it'll just be tacos. Has tacos like, and tequila. <laughs> tacos and tequila all day. Um it did BWR had a rain rain one edition. When you're right. There was one year um, it rained on the expo, and then we actually had to change the course on the fly the night before because the original um, dirt sectors were in this place called Lusardi, which it's the kind of mud that you can maybe get like 100 yards, and then you're done. And that Lusardi section is like three and a half miles. Um, and I went out and tried to ride it the day before and it was impossible. So fortunately I had planned for that and had a, a, a separate course laid out and, and CHP went with plan B and later in the day we went through Lusardi and it had dried off. So all was good. That was a really long day. Um, but yeah, rain can wreak havoc on, on the trails around here. Yeah, we're not a we're not. I don't want to say we, but the, the dirt, the trail systems out here, they're not built for a for this type of weather. And Slimy as much as I, snotty. yeah, totally. And as as much as I'd like to have a, a rainy BWR, just the epic race of all races, everyone comes back muddy and with their own stories of craziness. But um, our trail networks can accommodate, you know, skinny tires in the mud and we would decimate the trails. So, um, we just can't have that fantasy come true. Yeah. This isn't Kansas where, uh, yeah. it's used to that and the dirt just yeah. soaks it up. And it's a little muddy, but it's fine. A couple hours later when the sun comes out. Yeah. I remember There's that one year at DK, they, they, they had the, the mud and people had to walk their bikes for long stretches. Oh um, yeah. Well, even, Last year at DK, it rained and they had to put it off for like 30 minutes. And it was just like, it was bad for an hour. But, you know, it just turned out to be nice. And the rest of the day, I'm like, this would not happen back at home. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to do it when it's rainy like that. Maybe next year. Yeah, it's all good for about three hours. And you're like, oh, I got eight more hours. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Um, let's let's do a little, little history recap for everyone and really uh, kind of like, dive into BWR where it came from, kind of like the thought process behind it all. Um, I want to say you were working at Spy at the time, correct? When 
the first one started? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. let's just, so it started when you were there. When did it start coming around in your mind of like, I have an idea doing this event? Um, so it actually goes back a little bit further. Um, when I was living in LA before I got summoned down to San Diego to, to turn around spy, I was, um, I got to do this ride called the French toast ride <clears throat> that, uh, my friend Dave Yeager and his family had been putting on for decades. And the French toast ride was 118 miles, uh, through Ventura, Santa Barbara, um, lots of fun climbs and goes up Balcom Canyon at like mile 100. And it was always this really incredible ride, invite only. The Jaeger family would make French toast for everyone before. And there was this big lead up to it. And everyone did a, a weigh in before. And it was just this festive, fun, kind of tight thing. And I asked Dave, I said, hey, look, your familial event is awesome. And it's given me this idea to do something similar. And I kind of want to turn it into something that is a is a brand and it's its own thing. And your French toast ride has given me this idea of doing the Belgian waffle ride um, because the name is so silly, uh, right? But it belies the actual challenge and rigors of the day. So he said, that's great. Go ahead and do it. And, you know, he came down and, and actually did the first one with us and finished in the, in the front group. And um, I think he and, Neil actually sh shared the the yellow jersey from from that event. So that first event was um, kind of this selfish thing where I, I had a UCI pro card to race cyclocross. So I love racing in the dirt, but I'm much better in really long races. So I thought, well, the ideal thing for me, <laughs> the the only way I can win a race is if it's really long and there's lots of dirt. And, um, and then no one fast shows up. Um, but what I wanted to do is like do something that was unique that no one was doing that played to my strengths. And, and fortunately I had a lot of friends that liked to do that type of riding too. So I invited 136 people to do this event. And essentially what it was, was a replication of the Jaeger family's French toast ride. Um, albeit on a, on a much larger scale, but I tried to emote the same sort of family experience where you, you showed up at Spy, you got treated like royalty, you got to eat Belgian waffles and drink coffee and have eggs and eat whatever you wanted before you rolled out. And then the whole ride experience was something that was unique in that you're jamming along with a bunch of guys at 25 miles an hour, and then you're off road on some crazy cobble like dirt road, uh, and then back onto the road and back and forth. And, um, I think that year it was maybe only 118 miles, but that first year sort of set the tone for what was to come. And everyone had such a good time. And my only ask of them, because it was free to all of them, I said, Hey, look, if you had a good time, share it on social media and tell people what, what a great time the, the Belgian waffle ride is. Uh, 
So then the next year we charged people and we had, um, you know, 360 people that showed up for it and paid money to be a part of this experience and, and to give to the experience. And then that year it got longer and had more dirt. And, and then the third year it got longer and had more dirt. Uh, same thing for the fourth year and the fifth year and the sixth year. Um, last year was the seventh year. It actually got a little shorter, but we added more dirt. This year, it, it'll probably end up being a little bit longer and hopefully a little bit more dirt. Um, so it'll be somewhere around 136 to 140 miles, 46 or 48 miles of it'll be in dirt. Um, and that's sort of the evolution of it. Each year I've tried to make it more, more difficult, more dirty, more challenging. And then I, each year I've tried to work with the CHP and the county and the different cities. I think we go through six municipalities plus private, private roads and, and different parks. But I've tried to work with all those entities to make it, um, more race-like. So more intersections that are covered by CHP, more CHP um, controlling the groups and controlling the, the traffic and, and make it like a proper race. So each year we get closer to having a, a really tight controlled course. And at some point it's going to be, you know, fully clo closed, fully supported, like a proper road race would be in Belgium. Cause ultimately I created this as a brand to be, to replicate the events that we have in in um in in France or or Belgium. So I know that was long-winded but that's kind of the genesis of it. So that that's kind of what I wanted to ask um was that your original thought, you know, 7 plus years ago was hey, I want to create this, you know, classic style, you know, road race, you know, off-road dirt that's you know similar to what they do in Europe here in California, Southern California, and I want to, I want this to be that because you know at the yeah. beginning it's just you know it's a closed ride. I mean you know it's a private ride, it's hundred plus people, and then it's like hey, it's buried here. But like obviously everyone's seen it, you know it. Like it's just growing every year, you know, with more riders, more prestige, more media, more sponsors. So like as it's it's all the same thinking though like from day one like you're like this is what i want and now you're just like you know you're getting closer and closer and closer it, it's that or it's not like oh this is gonna be a fun ride let's do it and then oh actually this could be something no i always intended for it to be its own standalone brand and event and um have always treated and nurtured it as such so um it's 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 like if you were going to start your own brand, whether it's a apparel company or a bike company or a widget company, you know, you have to have a vision it, that's supported by a mission and core values. And I just treated the BWR like that. That's why it's the BWR, right? It has its own icon. It's actually the Canyon Belgian Waffle Ride, the formal name of it. But the essence of it is that BWR logo with, with, with the lion crest. And that's the iconography of it, which stands for, you know, something romantic and interesting. And that's the brand. And the brand is 
stands for something that's unique, that's playful, but serious. And I, 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 that's what's always um, kept me going with this thing is like, it's really serious. It's a really difficult race. It's really hard to do, but it's also this playful celebration of cycling and the cycling community that we have and in Southern California, particularly San Diego, um, where there's all these colorful, fun people that get together to either support the event as volunteers or do the event uh, and do so with that celebration in mind. That's why the, the, the waffle feast before is so integral to the event. Uh, and then the party with the lost Abbey afterwards and, you know, dr drinking all the beers that they have available to us. And then the actual trophy is the badass ale from lost Abbey. So there's, there's all these things that come together, this confluence of seriousness and funness that make it unique. Um, and that's the thing that I nurture each year. So, you know, looking at it from like a, you know, obviously it's yours and like you're, you know, heavily invested. So from my perspective on it, I think it's, it's come at such an interesting time within cycling from the racing world to the sport chief world of these events. Um, you know, from day one, you've always kind of wanted, you know, your plan was just to be a race. And yeah. I feel like that was almost a little early for like what other people are kind of doing. Um, you know, it seems like a lot of the, the Pondo style events are turning into races now, but like yours is kind of day one been like, that's your goal. And maybe the, you know, just from my perspective, maybe the first few years, it was more of a ride. Obviously people raced it, but like, how do you, I mean, what are your thoughts on this? Like the first year is kind of like, is your inclusive deal, like invite only, but second year is open to the public. Where have you seen it from year two to now we're going into year eight, the change in who shows up, how serious this is. I mean, obviously, I mean, you had, now you have, you know, legit current racing pros showing up to win this thing. And I mean, unless I'm mistaken, like the, the first couple of years was kind of more of like the, you know, the retired pro, you know, the Neil Shirley working at, you know, the magazine to come out and do it. And now it's, I know for sure this year, you're going to have like some legit world tour guys. And I know teams that have your event on their calendar to race this thing. So now it's kind of evolving into this where once again, like my just perspective, like the, the racing calendar is dwindling in the U S unfortunately, some of these events like the BWR mainly are becoming more prestigious to sponsors, to media, to where you're seeing this crossover now for these, like these race guys actually showing up to make it a real race. Like what's your thoughts on that and how that's changed over like the seven years? Well, each year it's, it's more and more exciting for me because it's, it's um, taking sometimes steps and then maybe a big leap towards that ultimate vision that I've had. And um, you're right. Like the, the field has just gotten deeper and deeper each year. Um, and this year it, it, it's so demonstrably more powerful in terms of the depth of the pros that are racing like you mentioned, world tour pros and entire teams coming to dominate or attempt to, to control the race, uh, European pros coming over or Americans that are on European pro teams, uh, getting permission to come and race our event. It's the week before tour of California. So there's some, some, um, 
touring availability for some of those athletes that can come and actually do our event and do the tour of California. So it's, it's materially materializing into the event that I've always wanted it to. And that's really exciting. There's the addition of the prize purse this year for both men and women that, um, makes it really exciting too. And I honestly, I've never had even one of the pros ask me what the actual prize purse is, which is kind of awesome because that means they're not, they're not coming to just win the money. They're actually coming to do this event either for fun or for some more professional, uh, endeavor. Um, and then the promotion that we're doing for women, uh, buy one and, and get your, your girlfriend in, in free kind of thing has dramatically increased the amount of female contenders that we have. And that's really exciting too. Just the, the female energy that's being poured into the event that it's nothing but positive, of course. Have you seen like, you know, obviously like more racers are coming in on board. Um, you know, you, you've put it out there since they only want this to be a, a race, but do you feel like that can be a, still like a healthy balance? Like having these legit guys come up? Like, I mean, my view on the U S cycling racing thing, I, I, I believe it should follow the model of like the marathon style where it's like, you know, everyone's there together doing the same course. You have your pros, then you have your weekend warriors. And I feel like that's kind of where almost BWR is going is in that model, but it's not quite there yet for the U S but like, so do you get any like, you know, backlash from anyone of like, Oh, you know, this was like a fun thing, but now you have all these guys trying to race it. Cause you know, we're seeing that with like events like Kansas, for example, like people are like, Oh, it's gravel. Like people are trying to race it now. Like, you know, I haven't seen it, but like, just, you know, obviously you see everything like, you know, it's your event. Like, do you see any like backlash with that at all? No. Cause I think from the get go, we tried to weed out anyone that would find a reason to complain about the event. And the event was always hard. It was always a race from, from its inception. And I literally created it with certain people around here in mind that like, there's no way that they could sit in the group and survive. And so that's the kind of course that I would create to sort of weed out those people that, you know, go to grand fondos and kind of just sit in. Um, like there's just no way you can do that with our event. So the, the, the intent is to create this really hard race. And that's, that's great for people, right? Like you're, uh, let's just say you're a mid pack person and it's going to take you, I don't know, nine hours or 10 hours to do BWR, but you're literally racing on the same course at the same time with, you know, all these pros from all over, you're doing the same thing with them at the same time. It's kind of awesome either to compare yourself to their, you know, superhumanness or um, just being able to rub shoulders with these pros or get their autographs or um, just sitting there towing the line and taking photos uh, with them. You know, these things are kind of the fun part of the the growth of the event. No, I think that, and that's, I think that so much of the stuff too is not just the the actual ride or the race, but it's also the surroundings because, you know, for instance, you know, the casual cyclist that's out there doing it and is going to be doing it with the pros, they're going to get to hang out after together. And, yeah. you know, when, you know, the biggest race in the US2 of California comes, 
they like people that go to watch the race, they are not hanging out with the riders after. They're in the bus, the riders yeah. straight in the bus and going to the next stage. So, I mean, I, I believe that's such a whole other aspect that people don't really, I don't want to say like talk about or like kind of think about that, like, hey, they're going to be having a beer together at the La Savvy after with a legit pro and just going, oh man, like, you know, just having that conversation. I feel like it almost like opens it up too, because everyone that I've seen that comes, is just like such a casual, you know, casual mood after to where everyone's just kind of hanging out, whether you want it or you just finish two hours later. Yeah. The, the part that I always like is there's that, um, after maybe a hundred people have finished, um, you have all the way for people that have finished earlier and they're, you know, blotto by the time the, the other guys get in. But once you've had a crit critical mass of, of waffle finishers, everyone sort of fills in the, the beer garden and, you know, cheers in the other people that are coming in. And it's, it's as though like you're at this rave where somebody dosed everyone with ecstasy and everyone's got this sort of funny beer buzz going on and everyone's loving on everyone else. And it's that love fest that is so cool that, you know, it happens for about three hours after the event where um, basically there's this ecstasy fest for most people. And um, I just don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, I mean, that's a good thing. Like even saying, describing a, a, you know, an environment like that is, is not a bad thing, but you will not see that on the, the pro cycling tour of someone explaining a race. <laughs> no. So that's the, the, the whole arc of, of it is waffles, uh, then a really hard day on the bike. Um, and even out on the bike, you know, there's volunteers dressed in costumes and pushing you up double peak and there's all these different activations that we have planned for this year that are you know, quite awesome and then there's that that finish at the end that there's that camaraderie and love and uh ecstasy like experience that um is is super unique and i don't think other events i don't think grand fondos or any event that i can think of or i've done has that same sort of the pageantry of it, the arc of three days, and then that final post-event um, fet that that everyone is feeling loving and enjoying the sport and the experience that they just had. So speaking of, you know, this year you started kind of alluded a little bit about what you have planned. Is, you know, we're a few months out now. Is, is there anything you can kind of clue us in on on? kind of what's in the works or anything new. I mean, it's, it's on Cinco de Mayo. Do you have any, you know, any cool plans for that? You can be throwing tacos at people or shots of tequila at top of double peak. What, 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 <laughs> um, what's going on for this year? So there's, uh, Hmm. There's more aid stations, uh, which is good. You can never have too many. There'll be more activations. So, different groups are going to own each aid station and they're going to sort of be competing with each other to uh, make the best aid station experience. Um, one of the things that I really wanted to do, and somehow I still fantasize about doing it, 
is changing the hard man category to 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 reflect something much more colorful and something again this is this is selfish because I would do this category if it was availed to me, and that is this before the start of the race, everyone that's entered the hard man category would either have to drink um a lost abbey beer or have a shot of tequila in front of all the other um, participants and the spectators and then then gun gun goes off and then four other locations along the route uh, those hard men contenders and hard women contenders would uh have a choice between a beer and a shot out on the course uh culminating at the top of double peak uh with the final one and then hopefully if they're able to descend the trail and then back to lost abbey once you've crossed the finish line then you go into the hard man circle and drink the final beer so you're basically having either five or six beers or tequilas over the course of 140 miles um that to me would be the ultimate event um the only thing that's getting in the way of me and my fantasy are a number of lawyers. <laughs> I was say, it sounds like very like, I think we should make this happen. But then you kind of get like reality check of like, mm, yeah, that might not be the. But I don't, just, don't you agree? Because it sounds like a best idea. But like, wouldn't you do that with me? I mean, we can do that this weekend and try it out. And okay, no one needs good. to know about it. That's and we, we, it, that's, we call it a test run. And we'll, I, we'll see how I, it works I'm, out. I'm open to a lot of practice. Okay. So we can do like yeah. a double day. We do Saturday and Sunday. But that, Sunday, that is my fantasy. Okay, good. <laughs> we I, got a few months to plan that out. Might do some yeah. low-key uh, Practice our beer drinking and tequila. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I really wanted to do to add some color. But um, I don't think that that's going to happen. So what will what the general rider will experience is more aid stations, more activation, more volunteers, more costumes, more fun. Um and um a lot more riders going alongside them, right? There's just each wave is going to have a lot more people. No, it's going to be big. This is for sure. Yeah. Um okay, so before wrapping this up real quick, let's actually there's a couple things I want to touch on before we wrap this up. But since we're like kind of talking about the current BWR, we're, this is obviously going to keep going and keep getting bigger. And I feel like your vision's kind of starting to come together with where you want it to go and where you want it to be. But what more is there left on the, the end goal of where you want to see BWR? Is it, you know, yes, a full classic style race? Is it multiples throughout the year? Is it, is it having one in Belgium? Or like, you know, we're, we're eight years in now. What's yeah, the next great. eight years going to go? Um, I've talked to many people in different locations about hosting BWRs. Um, we've even put money down in, in Arizona to, to do an event there. We've talked about it in Colorado and Canada and, and Virginia. Um, and ultimately, each of those locations offers something but they're always more gravel-like. And as you know, BWR is a spring classic. It's a road race that has dirt sectors. So it's, it's 
you know, it takes its cues from Perry Roubaix, um, as opposed to like Dirty Kanza. It's, it's not a gravel event. So that, that the continued evolution of this thing really for me is a closed course with full on, um, road on course support for, for the Peloton, um, spectators everywhere prize purse fantastic finish um a really really hard course that changes every year just as bwr every year we've had a different course um so something that's dynamic in that regard that's an actual race that attracts the best in the world and we bring them here to san diego to compete on this really unique course and i think that will capture the imagination of the cycling world globally and bring people to San Diego to, to do this super unique event that I just don't think I can replicate in Arizona or West Virginia or Canada. Um, so, you know, maybe it will just continue on and, and, and grow as it is the singular event as opposed to like, Hey, there's six different, BWRs that you could race with, you know, the final one being the one that we have here, kind of like the Ironman uh, business Kona model, thing. right? Yeah. So Kona, Kona is the world championships and you have all these other events that are essentially feeder events for the world championships. That's not a bad uh, idea. I like that. It, it is, but, it is, but how do you, with the triathlon, it's like, okay, you've got water, you've got land, and, and yeah, you're going to swim, you're going to ride a bike, and you're going to run. Um, with our event, it's it's actually not that easy to find places that offer you plenty of road and then choices to add dirt so that there's this combination of, you know, 35% dirt and 65% uh, road. It's just not as easy as you'd think. And the other thing, too, is, I've always wanted BWR to have punchy climbs and not big long ones. And, and the way the course is gravitated, I had to add in uh black Canyon, which is a long climb and even uh Highland Valley at five and a half miles, you know, that's kind of a long climb. It comes early. So people don't really attack there and try and get away, but eventually you got to, if you're in the lead group, you got to stay in that lead group up Black Canyon or you're done. No, yeah. If you don't make it over the top of that group, especially that, you know, the area after the, the wind and the cross, it's, you yeah, got to be done. there. Yeah. And you're on your own. Um, so ideally, I wish I could change the course. It's just got these punchy climbs up and down and up and down, but nothing really long. Uh, I just, haven't been able to find that ideal um combination yet yeah you'll find it keep plugging away you'll figure I'm, it out i'm working at it yeah so all right one last thing is kind of what i want to get in a little habit of asking everyone on this um little chat we're doing is uh what's your three tips for uh for anyone because bwr is so you know it's whether like the bike the skill level the distance the food like what what do you think you the three best tips that you can give to someone prior to BWR? Uh, there's probably more than three. Uh, let's start well, there's with probably 300. 
but well, <laughs> the there's a few that are maybe tied, like um, just time in the saddle, or like so that you're used to to having your butt on that little thing they they call a saddle for for eight or ten hours. Um, equally as important is time in the saddle in the dirt and really being comfortable with navigating rocky terrain with skinny tires and you know knowing how to draw the right line um how to how to stay seated on climbs that are steep in the dirt so that you don't you know lose your traction um learning how to have a slower cadence uh, and powering through uh, dirt sections more efficiently um so basically the tip is go out and get really comfortable in the dirt and by doing so that that helps you with the next challenge or the next piece of advice which is really picking the right equipment or what what weapon are you going to use on race day and that weapon really is a, a function of your your comfortableness in the dirt because then that predicates your tire choice and then tire choice is is basically the wider the tire the the less comfortable you are in the dirt um and the tax that comes from that is great you're you you flow through the dirt because you've got these wide tires but you've still got let's just call it 88 miles of road to do that you have to then drag that rubber around um up and down highland valley and all the other places so you have to find that sweet spot of amount of rubber you know whatever irc tire you're going to choose to use on that day um is a function of your comfortableness in the dirt so time in the saddle comfort in the dirt and then with any ultra endurance event it's an eating contest as well um you need to stay hydrated and eat and you need to do that on a very regular basis so that when you're coming back through the sandy bandy into the the headwinds of the you know the last 40 or 50 miles of the event uh you don't want to fall apart because you didn't eat or drink so practicing eating and drinking and being you know edified uh, on the bike for those final stretches or the things that are going to get you through it most comfortably. Uh, I'd say those are pretty three solid ones tried and tested. And I could probably have a story for each one of those on why you should do all those. But, uh, well, Hey, Michael, you know, I'm stoked that we got this chat for this first little BWR show conversation we're going to have. And I'm sure we're going to be bugging you, uh, again before this happens. Cause we got a few months to get everyone prepped and ready and, you know, maybe a little scared about, what's coming up but more or less just just excited about the event you know eight years in it's amazing to see what it what it's become well i'm i'm stoked to wrap with you about it and and stoked for your contribution and your interest um very much and and i would say uh people should know that an event like this cannot happen without a lot of people behind the scenes working really hard to give the gift of this experience. And there's, you know, probably 300 volunteers that give their time, but there are, you know, Jacqueline and Phil and Jay and Victor and Chris 
and Rod, and I could go down the list of all these people that um, give their time uh, to make it happen, um, you included. Uh, you know, it's it's a whole host of people that make the BWR really special, and without them, it couldn't happen. Um, I'm eternally grateful for all of their contributions and their desire to make it special for everyone else, too. And I just hope that when people do come to do the BWR, they realize what an incredibly difficult endeavor it is just to put it on with the amount of um, pain and suffering the county makes us go through. Uh, you know, to the, um, the, it's the, like the worst part of my life is dealing with the county. They're just, it's just, there's no, nothing to really say. It's just the, like dealing with them is like just being in this pain locker that's, you know, you're banging on it to let me out, let me out. And they don't let you out until essentially the night before when they say, okay, here's your permit. We signed it, you know. So anyway, two days off and you get all over again. Yeah. But <laughs> this thing couldn't happen without so many great people making it happen. And I hope people appreciate that there's a lot of people working hard on it. Yeah, no, that is a good point. People need to realize that if, you know, maybe something doesn't go their way that day that, you know, hey, cool your jets. You know, it's all for yeah. fun. And there's a lot of work that goes into this. So yeah. cool. Uh, well, thanks. That. Yeah. Well, uh, We'll definitely be chatting again soon and I'll let you get back to the night and I'm going to get my rest because we have, it sounds like a weekend of uh, riding bikes, drinking tequila and drinking some beers and see if we can pull that off. Oh, I love it. Let's go train. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's real training, right? All right, All right Michael. Well, okay, and, cool. You have a good evening. We'll chat soon. Thanks, Orny. Later. <laughs> yeah, that's real training, right? <laughs> All right, Michael. Well, and, you have a good evening. We'll chat soon.